I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Patty Temple Rocks. I love her name. And she's sharing the scoop on her new book, I'm Not Done. It's time to talk about ageism in the workplace. And I actually learned about Patty on LinkedIn. So I'm so happy she can join us today. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for your interest in this topic. Caught my eye. I felt, I felt like when I saw it, uh, especially uh, we had mentioned earlier how it reminded me of dating where you get ghosted. Maybe people take one look at you on Zoom and they're like, uh, no. As you said, maybe they look tired. <laughs> right. Another word a lot of people, older workers say is they start to feel invisible, which is um, yeah. apropos with your ghosting analogy. So I think some people start to feel like I'm showing up for work, but are people even noticing me anymore? Um, insulting and hard. So tell me about when you decided to write this book. Did something transpire that led you to this? Yes, it absolutely did. And I have to admit, like most people probably in their 40s, I was entirely oblivious that there was even such a thing as ageism. And I think it had been around me probably my whole career, but I just wasn't really paying attention to it. But this one was hard to miss. It was my um, boss who was, you know, very, very, very senior executive at a Fortune 50 company, um, first woman to kind of break through the ceiling and, and have great success. But all of a sudden, I just noticed that she was being um, marginalized a little bit. She wasn't inviting to meetings that she used to be invited to. She wasn't being listened to as much as she used to listen to. And it just seemed like it came completely out of the blue, didn't make sense to me. And when I um, had an opportunity at a cocktail party to bring it up to our CEO, because I knew he was the champion, he's the one that put her in the job, his response kind of floored me because he basically said, well, you know, she's been doing this a really long time. Maybe she's just tired. Um, and I knew uh. beyond the shadow of a doubt that she was not tired. Like no one has ever before since, you know, described her in that way. So I, that was when I first just began to realize, I wonder if tired is one of those euphemisms for being old. Like the other one that I learned, came to learn, learn about was digital native, or they're just other ways that we can sort of telegraph um, that we value um, youth, you know, in the workplace. And what led me to ultimately write my book was that I, um, you know, at the time this happened, and I was in my mid-40s, I thought, well, I am certainly not going to let this happen to me, and nobody is ever going to describe me as tired. I will move on to the next thing, you know, before that can even happen. And so I started to read a little bit more about um, ageism and particularly as it related to work. And all I could find were books about a second act, creating a second act. And literally things like, you know, have you always loved gardening? Maybe it's time for you to open a gardening business or, you know, and again, I have, there's absolutely nothing wrong um, with, doing things like that that stoke your passions and there's nothing wrong with a second act unless you didn't choose to have a second act and when I felt it happened to me a little bit you know um, I was 58 at the time um, I was promoted into a job that felt like kind of a non-job and so I wasn't very excited about taking it and my then boss was you know it didn't I didn't solve his problem by not agreeing to take this job. And so he said, sort of in a frustrated way, well, how much longer do you want to work anyway? Oh. And it, you know, it was like, oh, I hadn't, I hadn't ever really thought of that. But what I knew unequivocally at that moment was 
if there was going to be a second act for me in my career, I wasn't ready for it yet. I was still, you know, in the, in the first act, first act, and I was good and I was happy and I was oh. doing well. So I just, that's really when I decided I left that job. Um, I didn't have a job for the first time in my life and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And you mentioned LinkedIn. I wrote a post on LinkedIn, which I didn't really even have any followers at that point in time, but in my post, I talked about this a little bit. And I said, you know, I don't really know what is coming next for me. All I know is I'm not done. And I was completely blown away by the response from people to just the fact that I told my story honestly and authentically, which is, I know what your show is all about. Yes. People, um, so many people said, Oh, that happened to me, but I thought maybe I was doing something wrong. I heard from young people who said, you know, today's 20 somethings are the first generation that's likely had two career oriented working parents. And so these young kids who people think are like the enemy and they're not at all, right. but the 20 something workers were seeing it happen to their parents. Yeah. Spouses were reporting seeing it happen to their partners and mostly, you know, everybody was afraid and sort of accepting this inevitability that, well, I know it's going to happen to me too. And so that's why I just thought, you know, um, it's not us, it's right. the workers. And so I really just wanted to challenge all of this bias, much of it unconscious, some of it very conscious, um, that was working against people over 50 in the workplace who still, um, you know, have so much wisdom and experience to give. And frankly, there's also this, you know, demographic reality. We're all, there's a lot more of us now. We're living longer. Right. Um, many of us can't afford to retire when we're, you know, in our fifties, we need health insurance. So it was just this lose, lose situation. And I thought it was time to try to talk more about it. I feel like there should probably be some corporate training or any training anywhere about ageism because we deal with all the other issues in work life. This is a huge one. For sure. And interestingly, um, there were two pieces of research that I learned about um, when I was writing my book. One was that ageism by a double, by more than double, um, is the most commonly felt and observed form of discrimination in the workplace. So sexism, racism, but it's the least reported. So it is, you know, not only is it a huge problem, it's a huge under-discussed, under-reported problem. Yes. The other thing, you mentioned HR training that I learned, um, was that there, it was a, um, a, an annual study of CEOs and over 80% of the CEOs were concerned that they could have an ageism issue in their workplace and did not have confidence that their current diversity and inclusion strategy was inclusive of dealing with age as one of the cohorts that should be talked about. So okay. I you know, have a lot of friends throughout my professional life um, that are in HR and I just say to them, this is an opportunity for you guys to take the ball and run with it and shine yeah. because your CEOs are asking for it. You know, they're yeah. basically acknowledging that they need some support here. And, and look at all the people that, you know, over 40 million people out of work, a lot are older and it's, you know, I, as I, I have a, another show, but we were talking about how it's like a black hole submitting your resume and you know, for all different ages, especially people that are older. Yeah. No, I, I, I was really worried about that too when it first started. I mean, there's some, you know, financial realities about 
older workers, which is that sometimes just because of how long they've been in the workforce, um, they are often paid more, you know, and so that, you know, steady sort of raises and things like that. So if a company is worried about bottom line choices as yeah. opposed to, you know, the, the experience that they need, they may just choose to look at higher salaries and make those cuts there, which disproportionately affects people over 50, um, despite right. the, very of the fact that yeah. most senior level jobs and whatnot are over 50. And it also, in my opinion, you know, when, when I'm in marketing and so when I've never worked harder in my life, you know, I'm still working and I, when COVID first happened, followed by, you know, the huge economic issues, then followed by Black Lives Matter and the race conversations that need to ha happen. There are like so many issues that, that corporate business leaders are needing to deal with. And guess what? Those of us that have been around a while have been through, nobody's been through this exact one, but you know, I, I remember leading a team during 9-11. I remember when the housing bubble burst like dealing with the Wall Street analyst community on behalf of my company. Like I, I and many like me, I mean, I'm not special. We have um, experience that we can call upon that will be useful and comforting, I think, to business leaders today. And as I said, I can only presume that part of the reason my days are longer than ever is because that counsel um, is appreciated and sought after. You know what, I am listening to you and I'm, I, it's so refreshing to talk to someone who thinks like this because there, there are so many issues right now and the people that are older, obviously they have experience, they have wisdom, um, you know, different insights than people that are younger. Have you ever seen the movie, The Intern? You know, I've seen, it's one of those things that's been on in the background. So I haven't watched it from start to finish, but I'm very familiar with the plot. Okay, and I love the tagline, experience never gets old. It's a 2015 American comedy uh, directed, produced by Nancy Myers, oh, and it's with Robert De Niro, who's the intern, Anne Hathaway, and Rene Russo. And it's so interesting. Um, I have always loved to connect with um, senior citizens, and I had my daughter do the same. We befriended somebody when she was 93, and she lived to be 100. And it's so wonderful to, to take a step out of your life and spend time with somebody that's older at any age. For sure. And, you know, I am, um, as I said, I've been in marketing, advertising and PR, and um, I know that the secret sauce to coming up with really great breakthrough thinking that will make a difference comes when you have a diverse set of people in the room, you know, and that is, you know, everything, but age is certainly part of it. And, I have also found um, that the younger people in my, my professional life are frankly like hungry to soak up what I know. Like they have not, they're typically not the ones that I start to feel like some of the subtle signs of ageism from. The ones I think that start to um, demonstrate it are more likely the ones that are sort of right behind you and want you out of the way. Oh yeah. That's true. You know, so, like, to me, there is literally nothing better than, you know, sitting around with a bunch of 20-somethings trying to come up with an idea um, to, you know, solve a problem or create an opportunity for a client because they just have this unencumbered thinking 
I have the experience of knowing this might not work that way, but I love the direction, and so let's go there. So I, you know, I just think it's also, um, you know, I always say in addition to the fact that ageism is just plain mean, you know, and unkind to people, it's also really bad for business. It um, is. Because you'll benefit from having that um, diversity of thought. Yeah. And I find, too, that uh, younger people love to be mentored or just open up to someone else that that's, they don't really know, but they respect you and admire you for what you've done. And that collaboration of thought can create some wonderful conversations. Yeah, for sure. Many of the people I interviewed who, you know, were pushed out or let go more deliberately, um, you know, reported this um, phenomenon that I don't think is so phenomenal. I think it's rather expected, but where um, some of what they were doing, their employer didn't necessarily see was this mentoring and coaching. And so it continues after they're gone. Mm -hmm. So one of the gentlemen I know who was, you know, like 52, I think, or some, you know, tragically young <laughs> to have this happen to, but he was in advertising. He's like, I still have three days a week, this is pre-COVID, but I still had coffee three days a week with um, my former employees because they just want to know what I think. That's um, great. So who, what workplace wouldn't want to have somebody there that younger people are seeking out for advice? Right. Do you know, I reached out to my college advisor at Syracuse recently um, <sighs> just to check in and he's, he's still a great mentor to me after all these yeah. years. For sure. Yeah. Uh, what else would you like people to know about your book? Um, well, I, if they want to read it, they can find it on Amazon or really anywhere that you can order books these days since we're not going into bookstores. Um, but I... Oh, wait a minute. You know, I, I to become a best-selling author. I wrote the book to hopefully start something um, at a minimum. Um, at a minimum, I wanted to start a conversation. In my most um, ambitious of days, I want to start a movement because I think that there is this conspiracy of silence. And sometimes we, you know, who are in this cohort, I just turned 60 myself, and I think that prior to writing my book, I probably would have thought, oh, I better keep that birthday on the down low at work. And I don't, you know, people don't necessarily need to understand, you know, know that. And then now I just realize. We're never going to solve this if we don't show that, you know, being 60 doesn't mean you are tired or washed up or don't have things to contribute. So I think that it's just, we, I just want, like, the main thing I want is people to just talk about it. If you see it happening, say something. If it's happening to you, push back, fight, talk to your boss, talk to HR, um, be cognizant of even the most subtle signs like does, you know, if you work at a company and your website only shows people in their 30s, you know, you're not, you're sending a message that you are ageist, whether you mean to be doing that or not. So there's just so many things, I think, once people start paying attention to this issue that they can do. So if, if reading my book does nothing more than, you know, add a few more people to this movement, um, that would make me very, very happy. And one last thing, how are you staying positive right now in these times with COVID? Um, you know, I think, uh, some days it's hard. I'll be honest. You know, I'm from, I, in Chicago and, you know, on top of COVID, you know, we're having some violence. It's just a lot, you know, and there are days when I just feel like, oh, you know, can I really slide through this? Um, but then I just see somebody doing something awesome. Mm -hmm. 
um, help, you know, I'm hugely motivated by seeing people who care. Talking to you today is like helping me stay positive because I just want to make sure that we're talking about this issue. And so I just try to look for, um, you know, the signs of humanity that I think are around us everywhere um, and try not to get distracted by, you know, the big business governmental stuff that sometimes gets me depressed. Definitely. I want to share something with you. Uh, a friend of mine from high school uh, used to live in Chicago and she was part of the free hugs movement. Oh, I love that. Have yeah. you seen it? Have you seen them? They just asked, you, would you like a hug today? It was, it's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love people reaching out to other people, especially right now. I mean, acts of kindness, being compassionate, having empathy is so, so important right now. Yeah, no, I, the latest thing that, that I've been counseling some clients about is, you know, this back to school timeframe is usually a huge um, financial opportunity for businesses, but it's different this year, you know, and are, um, some people won't be going back to a schoolroom. Some people, you know, it's just going to be different. And the one thing I know for sure is that it's super stressful. I have teachers in my life. Um, I have a single parent in my life. Like it's stressful for everybody, the kids, the teachers, the parents. And so, um, you know, we just, I think have to approach back to school with that recognition that it's, um, it's going to be hard for everybody. And we just have to be extra considerate and meet everybody with empathy exactly where they are. You bet. Well, I want to thank you so much for accepting my invite to come on my show. I was so happy we connected. Oh, likewise. Well, thank you for inviting me. And as I said, I really appreciate your um, stoking this conversation. It's an you important. Bet. Absolutely.